Welcome to Crypto Girls with Dylan and Katie. We're here to help everyone understand what's happening in the crypto space, why it matters, and how you can be a part of shaping it. Hey everyone, welcome back to Crypto Girls. It's just Dylan this morning or this afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. And I want to talk a little bit about New York Fashion Week. Before we get to our episode with Harold and Charlotte of Particle, New York Fashion Week is fast approaching and there are a bunch of exciting Web3 metaverse integrations that I want to tell you guys about. In New York, Digital Fashion Week is offering extended reality showrooms with experiences, including virtual try-on, avatar creation, NFT drops, and a physical runway show created by Fidgetal Designers. Fidgetal is like the new vocab word for everyone. It's physical plus digital. Hate it, but I guess this is where we're at. Meanwhile, the Walker Hotel is staging an AR takeover. I don't know exactly what that means. And NFT galleries and independent fashion event series, the Nolta Shows, is hosting a two-day event dedicated to Web3. In London, an immersive digital fashion event called Picnic will focus the spotlight on digital natives. And in Paris, designer Victor Wensanto plans a digital collection in collaboration with a K-pop group that will launch with a physical party. So we're definitely seeing both physical and digital events overlapping one another. Tommy Hilfiger is a really good example of that. He is promising an all-out digital experience. So there will be a live event broadcast simultaneously in his Roblox world called Tommy Play. And the Roblox avatars will be wearing pieces that are shoppable in real time from the physical runway and on Roblox. And Super Plastic, which is, I think, just an NFT platform who has collaborated with a lot of celebrities and fashion brands, they have virtual celebrities called Janky, Gugamon, and Daisy, who will walk the Roblox runway wearing outfits from a recent Tommy Hilfiger collaboration with Richard Quinn. I'm excited to see how it goes in my experience thus far with the Metaverse Fashion Weeks, specifically Decentraland. It was a bit buggy, but hopefully Roblox, I think Roblox actually does have a better user experience. So it'll be interesting to check that out. One other good example is this NFT collection called Keys. So there are five designers participating. It's Altu by Altu Zara, Jonathan Simkai, Kim Shui, An Only Child, and The Blondes. They're selling 50 NFTs for $100 each, and holders can opt to attend a physical event or receive a designer keepsake physical product. So event access could include NFT private salon memberships, chances to win invitations to a live show, things like that. A lot of people don't want to reveal their perks yet. So everything is like to be announced. But I think that this is a really good time if you're in New York, London, Paris to see what's happening locally during Fashion Week and see how you can get involved. It's really great to be able to get a front seat to how Web3 is changing the way consumers and brands connect. So definitely check it out. All of the information that I've shared today is from Vogue Business. If you haven't subscribed yet, you should. It's great. And yeah, without further ado, enjoy our conversation with Harold and Charlotte from Particle, where we discuss the fractionalization of fine art. 
Hey everyone, welcome back to Crypto Girls. We are here with Charlotte and Harold, the brother-sister team behind Particle. So if you guys want to just introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about your backgrounds and kind of how you found your way into crypto. I'm Harold, I'm the CEO of Particle. And my background is in venture building, e-commerce, and mainly in direct-to-consumer subscription businesses. So I started my career at Rocket Internet, kind of like a German, big German startup incubator. And the ethos there is idea to launch in 90 days. We started Particle with a team of five founders. Particle is kind of doing something completely new in the space. So without a peer model, allowing us to have a lot of creativity, but also, you know, of course, coming up with a lot, a lot more challenges when you have to come up with things yourself and you have to also operate in this kind of gray, gray or, or, or not specifically defined regulatory area. There are a lot of differences in when you build in the Web3 space than in the, you know, let's say the more traditional Web2 e-commerce space. So it's a learning curve for me, definitely, like I think it is for, for a lot of people. Great. Yeah, I'm Charlotte. My background is fully in, in art, art history. So I did the whole thing, BA in art, art history, contemporary masters at Sotheby's Institute. And then I went on to work for some of the major auction houses, Christie's and Phillips. And I also worked for young emerging and leading galleries like Pace. So I worked with museums, artists. I sort of tapped into all the different sectors. So yeah. And then I started doing, you know, private advising on my own and then got into Particle. And what I do at Particle is I lead the, uh, the Particle Foundation. So got it. So kind of before we get into the specifics of Particle itself, we're just kind of curious how you guys got into crypto at all. Like, was there a specific cultural moment that made you take crypto more seriously? Did you come in via NFTs? What was it that kind of raised your interest? Well, for me, it was kind of, everyone was talking about it in the art world because they understood it. You know, digital art has been around for decades. So it that's how I understood it at first. And then Harold spoke to me about it. I remember around like February, March, 2020. And so I started reading up on it and it made no sense to me. So I sort of broke it down on YouTube and, you know, with those you know videos and I started picking up on some things. And one thing I think that made me take it more seriously is the resale rights for, for artists and the opportunity there was for artists. And I felt like that's the main reason why you know, traditional artists or galleries would take, would take it seriously later down the line. So I think that was the main thing for me. And then seeing it really at like Art Basel in Miami last year, it was crazy. That's, I mean, that's all they talked about booths, loads of booths filled with, you know, digital art and NFTs. And that's when I started really seeing that it had a huge impact on the art world, which is quite rare in the art world because, you know, they're sort of stuck in their ways. Yeah, I mean, from my for crypto on my part, crypto generally, I don't know if this is the kind of on slash off the record answer is that I really got into it with the deep web, like, you know, in, the, in like 2013, 2014, buying my first Bitcoin. That was the that, that was my first kind of interaction with crypto or with Bitcoin. And then just I was a, you know, passive participant, just buying some cryptos here and there and following the market from a distance. And then it started like, to be more more kind of active trading towards you know the more recent years but on the nft side it really was when news of, of the crypto kitties started to start coming out and start getting traction and the crypto punks and then i actually you know the the 
triggering, the, the moment where I was like, well, this is kind of crazy was when I actually went in and looked at the communities behind these projects. Before it was always, I just thought about it as these, you know, like these JPEGs that just traded for more and more. But when I looked at Discord, the Discord servers and the, and the Twitter communities that were built around these projects, that's when I realized like, wow, there's actually massive groups of people that are heavily engaged for various reasons, depending on the projects and with different levels of engagement. But when you're building brands, and that's what I was doing previously to, to, to this, right? The goal is always to build the community and having a brand loyalists. And a lot of people say they have them, but I think very few actually do in the like web two, let's say space, you know, I don't know, brands like Lululemon and Nike have, you know, proper followers and real brand loyalists, but a lot of other big brands, people are quite fickle. That's a great point. So let's get into Particle. Explain it to us like we're five. What does it do? Who is it for? So I'll start with my definition of the fine art experience is a four piece puzzle. You have the art itself, which is always kind of should be center. You have knowledge. Um, so people go to university, like you guys um, would have to, to learn about art history, the art market, etc. But there's also knowledge around the artists themselves, their craft, their ethos, etc. There's access, access to experts, advisors, access, access to these artists, to galleries, to shows, to fairs, etc. And so most people, or let's say the majority of people can have a combination of one of those three. But the final piece for me is ownership. That is a major part of that whole fine art experience, which very few people actually have. Only a very few wealthy people can actually go and own fine art masterpieces. And in order to get that whole experience, then you need to have that, that ownership piece. And Louis Cucuzer, who's one of the founders of Particle and was the chairman of Postwork Contemporary at Christie's, he always says that ownership enhances the enjoyment of art. And I repeat that a lot because for me, it's a very important concept. He thinks about it like, like a chemical reaction in your brain, where if you, you and I were at a, at a gallery and we see a painting, we could both appreciate it, enjoy it, but you would enjoy it that much more because it's yours. And so what we're trying to do at Particle is to the masses that holistic fine art experience. First of all, we put the art first. The goal is not to store it in a free port forever, right? It's to tour it around the world to get the many, as many eyeballs on it physically as possible. Second thing is knowledge. We have a lot of, you know, we, we, we do interviews with collectors, artists, gallerists, etc., to try and open up or make the art world and the art market more transparent. Access to these, these experts, to these, to these artists via, you know, AMAs, etc. And then the ownership piece is, is where we come in at Particle, right? Is where we, Particle, I mean the, the, the kind of the software development side, where we take physical works of art and we particleize them. And what that means is that we take the ownership of this of these works of art and we fractionalize them if you want into in the first in the case of the first painting 10,000 NFTs we call particles that represent ownership in the painting and act as a governance token over that specific piece of art. So right now there's just one painting in the collection as we'll have many you're going to have many different sub communities that govern their specific paintings. All of these paintings, the physical paintings, are all held in custody by the Particle Foundation with Charlotte Lee. And that foundation is really there to ensure the longevity of the collection, to make sure that it's maintained correctly, toured for the benefit of all of these, all of the collective of owners. 
I think it's really anyone that is interested in collecting art. You have other projects like Masterworks, which I'm sure you're familiar with, that also you know fractionalize masterpieces, but it's very much an investing exercise, right? And I think even the CEO said himself, their audience is investors, not collectors. They never see the art and they don't necessarily feel the need to. NFTs, what they allow us to have that direct relationship with the art and that feeling of ownership and that feeling of connection. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point that you make about ownership and just how ownership changes people's appreciation. So do you think that applies for NFTs? Because I feel like that's an interesting comparison when you're looking at like an actual physical piece of art versus a tiny piece of a Banksy on a screen. And I'm just asking that as, you know, devil's advocate. How do you respond to that? Well, we've, at least we've seen it with our community that it definitely does translate. So, you know, we even have people, I never thought that the goal of a particle or owning multi, the goal, the, the really, why would you want to collect more than one particle of a specific painting is because you want to exert more governance over that painting, right? You want to own more of it, be on a leaderboard of owners of that painting and maybe, yeah, have more weight in the decision making around it. But it was never really to display your particle and our, you know, a particle, visually speaking, what is it? What does it look like? It looks like a, a collector's card, kind of like what you'd see a standard format of like a Pokemon card or a magic card, right? There's some data on the bottom, some text, and then there's the actual image itself, which shows you triangulation of exactly your particle. I never thought that people would want to print this. What people do, or printed multiple of them, made little booklets, or they keep it on their desks, or they put it on their walls. They actually do that. So they do feel a connection to it. But our job is to is two things. Number one, to make people be able to go and experience that ownership URL. So tour this collection around the world. Right now, it started off in Art Basel in Miami this last year. Then it went to New York. Then the community voted for LA. So we did a big show in LA. And now the next vote just closed a couple of weeks ago. And the community voted for Bristol, which makes sense for Banksy. And so, you know, the next one's going to be Banksy. So that's, you know, getting it in front of them so that they feel that ownership that, that you, Katie, were talking about when, you know, physically. But then we also need to do, there's, there's a big piece of discovery and research that we need to do to how, how do we actually deliver that experience digitally as well. And so you have it through your NFT right now, but is it perfect? No, there's a lot of room to, to grow. And you have people like gallery that are doing things where you can kind of curate your own shows. You have like the metaverse museum virtual gallery option is another one, but I don't think there, there, there hasn't been a standard that's been set of like, this is the way to do it, where you experience your art physical or digital in the best way, you know, online. So what is the barrier to entry? Is there a minimum cost to participate? I guess that depends on the the painting, right? This one Banksy costs was minting at $1,500. Particle. The value of the painting was a uh, 13.5 million on mint. The next painting that you know we're looking at the, at offering to the community is going to be a you know a little less than that, probably between the I would say one to five million dollar range. And if we're doing it into ten thousand particles, then you know it equates to between a hundred and five hundred dollars. Uh, but that depends on which artwork. Right now, we have a few in the pipeline that we're trying to evaluate and see which one would make the most sense to add to the collection. The barriers to entry, I would say, is really, you know, purchasing these NFTs generally. It's not very straightforward process if you're not, if you don't have a MetaMask wallet, for example, to begin with, right? Very few platforms allow you to just put in your credit card and buy an NFT. 
Or if you do, then you'd miss out on the whole decentralized aspect. So, that, you know, they custodize your, your NFTs. So there's a lot of compromises that you have to do when you're trying to cater to non-crypto native and you may alienate the crypto native audience. So I think it's the, the our job here is to strike the right balance. But really, we appeal to a lot of non-crypto native people who want to have this feeling of ownership. And, and then once they get into it and they get the bug, and we have a lot of people on our Discord, right, that started off with this was their first NFT and now they're, you know, buying X copy and, and some pack NFTs and building their collection. So, you know, we need to cater to these people who are first time buyers for sure. And I think this, this is the role of every other project in the space. There's a lot of money in, in, or at least there was before this kind of downturn, but let's say there's a lot of money in the space, but there's very, there's not that many active participants. It's still quite young, right? The amount of people that are that, that are transacting. So I think it's the role of all of these projects in the NFT space to make it as easy as possible to onboard new people. I feel like this is something that you kind of alluded to, the particle community or the community around a specific artwork. So how do you guys structure that community? How do you build it? Is it a Discord? Yeah, yeah. we have a Discord. We hold community calls every Friday. We want the community to engage with it as much as possible. So, you know, last week we had one community member who gave an alternative way of being able to buy works, but rather rather than looking at it in just, you know, paintings or sculpture, looking at the public art sphere. Then there was another community member who mentioned, you know, a way of seeing particles in different ways. So, the community engage because they feel really a part of it. We host a lot of Twitter spaces. We try to get a lot of independent curators, advisors, and make them understand the art world. Because if you're not a part of it and you don't know anything about it, it's extremely daunting. And, you know, for someone uh, that, you know, lives and breathes it, it's very simple. But to someone who has never been in it, they don't even know how galleries work, auction houses, the different subtleties between them. So we're trying to get them involved in that. And I think that, you know, through that knowledge, they, they're more they're more engaged and they want to learn more. And, you know, the art world is like a bug, right? Once you get hooked, you're fully hooked. At least that's how it was for me. And I think how it was for Harold even now getting into that space through Particle. You know, you want to become collectors. And once you've had that taste, you want to keep going. And I think that's the same with the community. So it's really about feeding information and uh, taking back information from them because we learn from them on the way as well. Yeah, how, how it's structured, let's say more specifically, is we have guilds where you have different topics that people can discuss. And if they want to be, get involved more, from a more operational basis, they can. So you have acquisitions guild, you have an operations guild, economics guild, right? content guild, and anybody in the community can participate as they want. Then from the actual communities within these paintings, that's done mainly through the discourse, which is a you know, token-gated forum where you can make proposals. There's a whole process, a governance process, right? But essentially, you make a proposal of what you'd like to happen. You get a majority on it. People can discuss it on the forum. Once, once it's come to a, a, a more or less an agreement, it goes to Snapshot. Snapshot is, the vo is a voting tool or a token voting tool. And you can set quorum and majorities on there. And then when a decision has been made, then, you know, it, it, it gets enacted in what, whichever capacity it needs to. So, yeah, exactly. it, it's both on, on Discord, Discord, snap, Snapshot, and then you have, of course, Twitter for the more outward facing stuff. 
and the voting system, how it works is, let's say you have one particle, you get one vote. So there's the incentive there to to have more particles, to have more of a say of, let's say, where you want to see the collection go next. Just one fun question. Do you guys collect NFTs personally? What projects are you both interested in? I do. Yes. And I actually, you know, gallery. I just set up my gallery uh, yesterday or today, and I called it Vanity Gone Wrong. So it really was just those vanity projects that I aped into, let's say. But let's say the blue chip ones, I have I have some of them, but you know, I collect them for different reasons. Some of them are for, for investment purposes. Some of them are purely because I like the art and others because I generally love the community. So X copy for me is about the art. I think it's so recognizable, instantly recognizable. And I think it looks great when you actually get it on a screen and displayed or those hologra- holographic screens, I think are, are amazing. The, the squiggles, I think, are, are awesome too, and displaying physically at home if you if you want to. And then from the community side, I don't know if you heard of crypto dick butts, but they started like they kind of picked up on the on the crypto punks this and blew up there. But I mean, I have one since I don't know early this year. But there's just their Discord is hilarious, and they're just they're funny. Charlotte and I also collected some of the fireworks from TR Labs, Currency, Damien Hurst project. I also like the creativeness that some of these traditional artists have have put into how they how they do their how they like how do you say operate their NFT projects. Damien Hurst one it was to be honest quite really quite creative actually if you think about it and, and quite early on he did this. But Tom Sachs as well, I thought was quite quite fun what he's what he's done too. Yeah, I'm not as I collect more, you know, artists from my generation but physical uh artists art artworks so nfts for me it's mainly if i know an artist so maybe i'm that art snob that is too like is too much a product of the art world that only looks at that kind of stuff but definitely particle has opened the the different projects out there for me and harold mostly talks talks to me about them so i check them out world of women i thought was really cool i didn't manage to get one but that's just because yeah i'm i I, I focus mainly on the, the physical physical aspect. Which totally ones are you fair. Out of curiosity. I started or, with... Or right now, kind of on top of your mind. I started with Pac. I have to say, lately, I have not been paying as close of attention to like specific projects. I'm, I've been a fan of Wow Pixies, which is another female community. I have a World of Women galaxy, but... Pac was like my number one and his kind of demise on crypto Twitter was really tough for me. So I had to take a little bit of a break. (laughs) You know, Frank Stella is going to, he's coming out with an NFT. So I I saw that. that. Yeah. And you get like a 3D printed physical item, I think, which is really crazy that they would give collectors their IP. It's really cool. And you've got a lot of Museums also trying to fund their museums through, you know, doing the same thing with some of their collections. So you see, you see a lot of, you you see the art world, you know, getting more open to it, definitely, which is really cool. Similar to Dylan, I have Pac, Lucian Smith, we have his NFTs. Then I feel like I have a lot of like meme NFTs, like we have, what's it called? Moon, Moon Burbs, which is a ripoff of Moonbirds or, or Sunbirds. Yeah, it's sunbirds. sunbirds. I'm trying to think. Like, I feel like we have a lot of ones that we find funny, which is like... It's like basically any project that we can't buy, we just buy like the ripoff. Like the ripoff. Like, of it. <laughs> the yeah. second ripoff. But you know, what's funny is that a lot of the 
you know the the when we're talking about NFT projects now, it's they're they're a lot of they're PFPs, right? And a lot of the attend when you say NFT, it's synonymous with PFP project, right? Whereas it may have been like Beeple and Pac before that. Right now, it's CryptoPunks, a World of Women, Moonbirds, right? It's PFP projects. And these PFP projects, so they've just completely monopolized all the spotlight for, for NFTs. And, the, you know, I think it's, it's, it's also evolved into this race for utility and additional value. You know, like if you owned a board ape from day one, I think you got something like 80 ETH of additional value by, by all these airdrops that they started giving. But, you know, I think, you know, Yuga Labs is, is, is probably is the outlier, right? They're just, they're killing it. I think it's impossible for all of these projects to keep giving more and more value, 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 value on top on top. And, you know, we're not competing with, at least Particle is not competing with that at all. You're not putting your Particle as your profile picture. The, the use case for these Particles is really ownership and paintings and decision-making around these works of art and access to the art world, et cetera. It's, it's, it, it's different. And so I think this kind of bear market has slowed down. It's giving, I think, the opportunity to other projects that are using NFT technology to deliver their mission to build and gain some traction and perhaps get some more attention other than, you know, the, the, the major PFP projects. So I think, I think it's kind of a, a good thing in a way. Yeah. I was going to ask, did, does the volatility of the market impact you guys, or do you feel a little bit shielded from that because the value of your particles is rooted in a physical object? Well, no, you definitely do. You're, we're definitely impacted, especially if you're if you're building on a, you know, if you're if you're selling your 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 NFTs in a certain currency that is is volatile. So we started on on the Avalanche blockchain for various reasons, including kind of eco friendliness and and low fees. Very volatile. Also, the day we launched, it kind of tanked forty percent, well, along with the rest of the market, right? But but going forward, so we we announced now that. You know, every particle holder is going to be able to very soon, next couple of weeks, bridge their particles over to ETH, and the next the next paintings will probably will will be on ETH as well. But but I think that and, and there's different schools of thought, right? But you know, our plan is that for the for the next the next paintings to be added to the collection to offer them in in stablecoin because they are still like you said they are related to the physical work. The physical work's value is in. Um, you know, US dollar. So it should be transacted with even on a secondary market, you know, on OpenSea, et cetera, it should be in the same currency. Then, but, you know, people can do whatever they want with it. They want to sell it in ETH, they can. But I think it definitely helps that there's something tangible there. So, you know, I think you have more of that guarantee. So what do you both think that the art worlds can learn from the NFT world, you know, obviously coming to NFTs from kind of an art world background. I'm just curious what you think about the interaction of the two spheres. Well, for, for me, I think the art world has a beautiful community, like a really strong community, but it's quite restrictive to selected few. So I think the way the art world could learn is to make it a little bit more inclusive and be a bit more open to the space, you know, and I think be speaking with speaking from, you know, experience of going to art fairs and galleries, being a bit more open about about the ins and outs of of how things work, because people just are curious, you know, they're not trying to 
you know, when an, when a gallery says, you know, okay, these have been placed when you ask what the price is, it's kind of, you know, you're not really giving an answer. You're just saying, okay, sorry, they're sold, but you're not answering my question. So I think, I think maybe if they were a little bit more open, which I think they are becoming, I mean, I always give this example of like Instagram 10 years ago, you would, you'd never see a gallery or an artist on Instagram. And now if you don't, it's like, what are you doing? Because most galleries find artists on Instagram. So I think, I think they could learn more about being more inclusive. And I think they are, they are doing so. It's just taking a little more time, but they're definitely getting more open for sure. At least that's my, that's my take on it. Har, what about you? Coming from more of the, uh, you know, not coming from that. I think, yeah, the art world has benefited from this kind of close knit and opaqueness, right? I think it's, it tries to cultivate it actually. So I know that what we're doing is kind of goes against that a little bit, but I think inevitably the world is going in that direction. And probably the traditional art world is one of the last major industries that hasn't, you know, hasn't changed. Even healthcare has massively progressed, which is crazy that healthcare has, I, I think, done more advancements than, let's say, uh, you know, how the auction houses and galleries operate. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, uh, the online sales, especially after the, during the pandemic was a huge, you know, step in that direction. Artsy also opened the doors like crazy for people who didn't know about art, didn't know where to start. And then all of a sudden you can see what's available on a website. So it's just taking more time, like Harold said, but it's definitely step into the right direction. So kind of a follow-up question here. Do you think that we'll see a continuation of more fine art artists getting into NFTs? And also on the flip side, do you think that native NFT artists will ever gain wider respect in the more traditional world? I think for sure. Personally, I think for sure. I mean, I saw, okay, Beeple is huge in the NFT space, but he had his first show at a Jack Hanley gallery and, you know, first major gallery show. I think Loic actually uh, helped curate that. And so, yeah, I, I do think so. And I hope so. I know that, you know, now they're they're not looking, especially I spoke to Benjamin Candler. He leads the, uh, he leads NFTs at Philips. And he sort of told me that what he saw that changed is the fact that they're not calling them nft artists anymore but digital artists in their own right so that's already a, a really cool thing so yeah i do think so for fine artists and also nft artists i mean frank stella for instance you know he's like 90 years old or something and you know and he and he is still exploring that space because i think what he saw was the benefit of NFTs for for royalty payments, which I think he's been a huge advocate for for decades. I mean, all artists have been. And I think it's huge for also emerging artists. I mean, we were speaking about Shabalala, but like other emerging artists like Flora Yuknovich, you know, selling for $20,000, you know, back in 2019. Now her paintings are going at auction for 3 million. She's lucky because she gets artists resale right. She's British. But, you know, not every time a work is sold where it's, uh, it's a different thing for the NFT space. And I think that's huge for artists. Okay, should we play our game, Katie? I think it's game time. I think we should do take it. it. Take it away. So every week we play a game with our guests. And this week, given Particle's focus in the art world, we're going to play a game we have played previously, but we've refreshed the artists. So basically we want to know 
if you can rank these historical artists from most likely <laughs> to least likely to be interested in NFTs. Okay. So this week, the five artists are Monet, Da Vinci, Kusama, Picasso, Basquiat. And obviously, I guess Kusama isn't super historical, but I'm curious what you think. I think Kusama, number one, because I think she's, I think the, I would say, I, I, I would say Kusama first and last would be Basquiat just because. I feel, uh, yeah, I feel Basquiat wouldn't, I feel at, at, at least the foundation would, my perception is they might not be so open to that. But uh, I would say Kusama, Da Vinci, Kusama, Da Vinci, Monet. Who is the other one? Picasso. Oh, Picasso. Sorry, Picasso number one. <laughs> Second would be Kusama, then Da Vinci, then Monet, then Basquiat for me. Yeah, in terms of... Pro- propensity to to do it i would i would say i would agree with with charlotte but otherwise you know da vinci is you could could definitely be up there because you could use the you know it's so technical da vinci paintings are so technical and you can find so much derive so much meaning and i don't know math and physics out of them that it lends itself really well to to the space and people kind of can obsess about it and go down to the very minute detail so i think yeah, yeah. that would be crazy yeah I feel like for me da Vinci and Monet well da Vinci I think obviously because the science but I think Monet I almost put in there as kind of a red herring because I feel like that's not someone you would think about in terms of crypto or nfts but he also was kind of at the forefront of painting technology in terms of painting outside you know painting with tubes of paint so that like he could be mobile so like if you think about it from that aspect he was pretty cutting edge so so true so true Uh, I think I think with with Kusama, at least it's because, you know, she's still alive. So there's hope that she might get into that space herself as well. But yeah, I think Da Vinci would be awesome. And Monet, Monet would be incredible. I mean, all of these would be awesome, to be honest. <laughs> Hopefully the future for Particle Collection. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on the pod. This was a really fascinating episode. And I'm still shook that someone said crypto dick butts on this podcast, but it's okay. But thank you guys so much. This is amazing. And it was great to meet you. Nice to meet you, Dylan and Katie. Thanks for having us. Thank you guys. Thank you.